chosen to be here in person. Man, that's a full row back there. Sh Stuart, I'm impressed. Wow. <laughs> uh, we want to welcome everybody who's joining us on YouTube as well. Thank you for taking the time to click over and, and s invest your time watching with us. We want to particularly ask that you might subscribe to our YouTube channel and maybe give us a thumbs up during this uh, worship live stream. So it would be a blessing to us. And again, Please click over anytime you want or join us in person anytime that you would like to do that. Um, on your way in today, if you're here in person, you had an opportunity to get the caring and sharing. There's a number of things there. Got a lot going on. The fall gets started and a lot of things are going on. You'll want to look through that because we're not going to be able to mention all of them. Uh, if you are with us online, you can go to www.ljchurch.org. Go to our website and you'll find links to everything uh, caring and sharing and many many other things that'll be beneficial to you and if you're here in person i encourage you to get the caring and sharing up digitally on your phone so that you can refer to it during the week and don't have to carry that piece of paper around i uh, kind of neat we've got a little more going on on our facebook page these days uh, dara frazier has decided she's going to make that a little more a priority of, of kind of keeping fresh things there and i encourage you to to participate in that dialogue and then finally, because we're in a time that uh, just some things are not as, as uh, f um, stable as they have always been, and that's true in all areas of life, and so it is also for the church. If you are not currently getting our text and getting updated on things, we would encourage you to text LJCU, LJC update, sorry, LJ update, there's the, the key. LJ Cup Date to the number that you see there on the screen. Uh, you don't, you won't get many text messages, but you'll get some, and they should be helpful for you. As maybe some things that we would normally be doing get changed at kind of at the last minute. Uh, one of those changes will be the uh, family fellowship meal that was originally scheduled for this Sunday. I uh, would just ask you to be aware and be patient. We're not going to have our meal. If you haven't heard yet, my apologies. Uh, I, I'm sure whatever you cook, you and your family can enjoy, but not today. Uh, and also, there won't be a bread of life on Wednesday night as well. As part of our process of kind of trying to, to be careful these days, we're continuing to have our Lord's Supper uh, elements, uh, individual uh, sets there, and they're back on the table in the back. If you don't have one of those and would like to partake of the Lord's Supper, 
with us. We open that to all baptized believers and would be glad for you to celebrate that with us, but you'll need that with you. Also, contactless giving is going on, the QR code there. You can also place uh, any gift that you would like to make in the, in the box that's at the very, very back. A couple of upcoming things I want to be sure and remind you of. Uh, next Sunday in the afternoon, 2 to 3 o'clock, the Haragis uh, are expecting Carson Rudy uh, just about a month from now, and so we're excited about that and want you to have the opportunity to participate in that excitement. It does appear that it'll be a drive-through. Um, you'll be able to drive up and greet them and say hello to them, but we don't have to spend a bunch of time in close, close contact that way, and that's what they've decided to do. Uh, check the caring and sharing. It, it may be that there'll even be an update uh, this week on that. Also, uh, we have several members that have been in the hospital, again, oftentimes COVID-related, um, and they're coming home, and we would like to be able to be supportive of that. We have utilized a thing called Meal Train, which is an online process of saying, I'm going to do this one, and I'm going to just schedules things like that. Um, we are more and more people who use our text messaging services as opposed to checking our email. But if you have signed up to, to be part of the meal train efforts to help get meals to people, uh, you do need to check your email and you need to check it regularly to see if there's a new one that needs that you might want to help with. And by the way, if you haven't yet signed up to help with those kind of meals, then uh, you can see the caring and sharing and there's a link there that you can sign up to to be notified when another family might need a, uh, us to bring them by a meal to, so that they can be taken care of, because we want to take care of our brothers and sisters. Amen? Um, Prime Timers is planning on meeting, uh, not tomorrow, but a week from now, and so you might want to uh, be part of that. Uh, if uh, you would like to get any kind of updates on what's going on there, I know that there's a sign-up to bring some help bring some food in the Welcome Center. Uh, you can text... P-R-I-M-E, Prime, to that same number, and we will send reminders to you. And again, if there are any last-minute updates, they can come that way as well. Well, that's enough of that kind of stuff, isn't it? We're here to worship God, aren't we? Aren't we thankful to have a God who uh, opens his arms and invites us to come and pray with him and to hear his word and to offer up uh, even though it's never about how good our voices sound or anything like that, but to offer up our praises to him. Aren't we thankful to have a God like that and who loves us enough that he says that when we're gathered together like this in a very special way, he is with us. That may be that it, he's, he's in that person right there next to you and you didn't know that and he's with you in that way. And it may be that at some point while we're singing a song, you realize, wow. There's something more going on here than just the song we're singing. Or maybe even he'll speak to your heart today. Whatever it may be, he has said that he'd be with us. And I invite you to join together as we lift his name up in worship. Let's all be standing. Precious Let the righteous 
seated. You know that song when he talks about he's all to us. You know, we're going through many things right now in our world, in our nation, and, and so many people are affected by uh, this pandemic. And, and uh, I just being here together, lifting praises to those who may not be able to sit with us this morning is, uh, is an encouragement. And so uh, the words today just kind of ring out a little bit better, different message. There is love that came for us, humble to a sinner's cross.
morning. Think about a couple of things. Where were you 20 years ago? We've all kind of gone through a thought on what happened. That was 20 years ago yesterday. Um, there have been an awful lot of remembrances about that. A lot of things that, you know, where were you? Some of you, of course, were taught. Some of you were in classes. Some of us were teaching. And so we have a lot of things to be thankful for. We have a lot of things to remember. We have a lot of things to pray about. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the blessings that we have. We are thankful for the remembrances that we have to how do we take and help others? How do we take and show our, our light amongst the world? How do we take and be the person that you want us to be to share with others our faith, our love, the words that we need to do to be the beacon that needs to be in this world that we live in and to be able to celebrate we celebrate the sorrows, the sufferings, the, the good things, the bad things that make us a stronger person, the, the stronger church, the stronger in you. We know we get challenged and that we need to be able to do that. And we ask that you continue to keep strength upon the church Give us ways to show it, strength within where we're at with how we do things in our everyday living. And to be able to witness, to be the people that you want us to be. And we ask this all through your son's name. Amen. We gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the love he's love, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share
the passage for communion this morning will be from First uh, Corinthians 11. Oh, phone just went. Sorry. <laughs> Starting in verse 23, a pretty common uh, passage that we read. Uh, for I received, this Paul addressing the church there. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul addresses them and says, For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, um, to whom is this proclamation made? So in one sense, you could say, well, outsiders, right? If somebody saw you getting up this morning getting in the car and leaving, then they probably thought, well, that's probably, probably a Christian going to church this morning. And so in a sense, as you gather and, and take this meal together, you do make that proclamation that you're a Christian, and others can, can observe that and know that about you. But I think what he's probably more speaking to here is that we proclaim that to each other, which may be a little silly because you may know it. Um, so why would you have to tell someone else uh, what they already know? But um, if you've ever taken communion in a fellowship that's, uh, that they do it not, not, not like we do, right, but in a different style or manner, um, there are some things about it I, I don't necessarily like. Uh, I don't feel like someone has to administer communion to me. But there are some things I really do like. In particular, I like the proclamation that is made as they do that. The body of Christ broken for you as they hand it to me. They remind me of what I already know by proclaiming that to me. So let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together as Christians to unite around this table to remember Jesus and to remind each other of, uh, of what we already know, that Jesus came and died for each of us and that he was raised by you in power over death and sin and that we will join him one day as you remake the world free of sin and death. We thank you for that gift. We ask that you would be bless this bread as we take it and help it to build us up and encourage us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, sometimes we need to tell each other uh, what our brain already knows so that our hearts will hear it. So I would encourage you to take this uh, cup with me. The blood of Christ given for us. Dear God, thank you for, again, having Jesus be willing to come to the earth and to die and to shed his own blood on our behalf. So that we can be made right again with you. Lord, help this to remind us of what Jesus has done for us. Help it to remind us of the status we have in your family. Help it to strengthen us and give us a greater resolve to live into that life that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This time we often have a collection taken up. We won't pass trays uh, just due to the contact. Uh, there's various ways you can give. There's a box in the back. There's a QR code you can give online. Uh, we appreciate the support that you've continued to provide, um, even though things have changed quite a bit. Uh, at, at this, uh, right after this, then uh, after we offer a prayer for the gifts, we'll then take up the uh, kids' gift. We'll have the bucket up, up front here if, if y'all want to come do that. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for all the many ways that you bless us and provide for us. And um, oftentimes we don't recognize um, day to day um, the, the activity that you provide uh, in our lives to, to care for us and, and the fact that we do depend on you so much. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be conscious of that, to be grateful for the ways that you uh, provide for us and, and keep us um, healthy and strong and, and loved and, and just taken care of in so many ways. Lord, we recognize that we are financially um, uh, gifted uh, beyond um, any other place and time in history. And Lord, help us not to cling to that, but help us to use that as a, as a, as a tool to, to spread your kingdom throughout the world. Help us to be good stewards of the things that you've given us. Help us to be generous towards those who don't have as much. Lord, again, we ask that you would bless the, the gifts that are given this morning and that you will use them for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we have the kids' gift up front. Scripture reading this morning will be Luke 2, 41 through 47. The boy Jesus at the temple. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of, of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. They began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. I'll be standing as, as uh, we sing uh, a good old song before Alan comes up to uh, deliver his message. I love to tell the 
please remain standing and join me in reciting with uh, thousands of years of Christians and those who called on God as their as their God uh, long before Jesus came. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And the whole church said, isn't it amazing the faithfulness of God? Um, sorry, Lindley, I'm going to go on a little detour here just for a second. We are called to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but in reality, this is just so small compared to the love and provision and faithfulness that God gives to us. Amen? We, we could say something like, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and He has loved us with everything that He is, including the gift of His Son and leaving His Spirit to be with us until He comes again. Amen and amen. I give you, want to just give you a quick testimony, Mike. Uh, pricked my heart. I'd thought about doing this and then didn't. But um, if you're not aware, um, Drew, my son Drew, younger son, uh, was born on September the 11th. He was born in 1992. And in 2001, I remember getting up that morning and getting him ready. We sang happy birthday to him. He got extra something in his lunch and all those things and then sent him off to school. And before I got to work, the, the first plane had hit the first tower. And, and I went back to the school because I wanted to check on him. Because a day that was supposed to be such a great day. And Drew, boy, make no mistake, Drew was a guy who loved to celebrate things and is a guy that loves to celebrate things. And his friends loved celebrating him, his friends at school. And that changed things. And what I reminded him that day, and, and I think he never let his birthday be overwhelmed with sorrow because what God had provided long before Drew was born and long before September the 11th, 2001, God had provided a friend for him. The preacher at the church where I was working, who was a good friend of ours and a good friend of Drew's, Joe Bazden, you've, many of you have met him, you've heard me refer to him before, was born on December the 7th. And so his birthday was, uh, became the commemoration of, and for that generation, the biggest thing that ever went on of, of the a bombing of Pearl, Pearl, Pearl Harbor, the, the disaster of that. And so I think in a very powerful way, God provided for Drew in this unique way that he knew somebody that didn't let what, the, what his date of his birth became a, a focused on because he knew somebody who hadn't let that uh, be the definition of who they were because their birthday fell on that. And, and that, isn't that just one tiny, tiny small tale of God's provision for us in so many ways, in so many times in our life. And the whole church said, amen and amen. I love that story. Aren't you thankful? Um, Matthew records some birth stories, but Luke comes in with just so much more rich, richness in the birth stories. And also, he tells us this story when Jesus is 12 years old. We have nothing from 
you know, Jesus being two or three, and they come back from Egypt, and then we have nothing until John the Baptist appears on the scene and Jesus goes to meet him at the river, except that Luke records this one story, such an incredibly beautiful story, and, and it is so powerful because it connects us with Jesus in a really wonderful way. Um, I've been in youth ministry in my life, and, and by the way, the verse that we didn't read that I bet most of you know, and Jesus grew, right, in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, that's the theme verse for youth ministry for me. That is to say, our children will grow, and we need to be about helping them grow. And by the way, not just helping them grow as people who know God's word better and better, but we really need to be engaged as a church. We want to partner with parents in helping raise our children in every way, right? In wisdom, stature, and in relationship. All of Jesus, and kind of in the same way that love the Lord your God with all of you, we want to help our children in every single way. But this also points to some really interesting things. Parents, have you ever read this verse and realized that Jesus, raising Jesus may not have been a stress-free uh, environment for you as a parent? Uh, I don't know. Have any of you lost them for three days? You realize that when we stack it up, gone for a day and two days before they found him. Any of you lost your children for three days? Now, you might have not had them in your presence, but Jesus headed off in the other direction and didn't tell anybody. By the way, I got in trouble for a lot of things. Very few of them I got in trouble more for the idea of doing something and not telling my parents. Some parents say, amen, that's exactly right. Kids, this story needs to relate to you because it shows Jesus stepping out independently now and again. This is what I think I'm supposed to be about in doing that. By the way, just the way that you get in trouble for doing that with your parents, Jesus got in trouble with his parents. And, by the way, it says that Jesus was very obedient to his parents. So he's not breaking God's law in any of this. But it's a powerful, wonderful story. And we're always drawn to those last words. That they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Because we see Jesus as a person who has all the answers. Amen? And so it is that, that Luke affirms this, this idea that the, the people that he was interacting with are amazed by his understanding as his answers. But quickly look at the descriptive words before we get to that summation. You see, Jesus is doing what? with the leaders. He is listening to them and asking them questions. Now that doesn't sound like giving answers, does it? But what you need to know is that Luke is describing the way that traditional teaching went on. Is it's a dialogue. It seldom if ever is just about a person standing up and delivering a lecture. By the way, throw the darts all you want to. But instead, it was this, this dialogue, and it was by the nature of his questions that they recognized his understanding. And it was by the nature of his listening that they, they realized he has answers within him. So it's a very different kind of scenario, and, and again, sometimes we, we sort of lose that. And too often, parents, sometimes we, we think, kids, you just need to sit and listen to me. And in reality, what we want is our children asking us questions. By the way, even the hard ones. 
Questions that you don't have answers to are okay. And you need to be sure that those questions are okay. And the answer, I don't know, is okay. But we can go find out or we will continue. I want you to keep asking that question until we have a better answer. All of this points us in a direction that is consistent with the way Jesus loves. But finally, I want you to look at the opening words. Jesus isn't sitting in front of a big crowd. He is sitting with the teachers. He recognizes that if he's going to know more about who God is, and as he grows, and uh, you could make the uh, statement that Jesus is already kind of establishing himself as that special prophet and messenger from God. But in reality, the scene doesn't paint it that way. He's come to the learned. He's coming to the, the cream of the crop. If you're there in the temple area, if you're part of this group, you are as good a teacher as there is. And Jesus is interacting with them. He is not off in a wilderness learning by himself. He is not sitting at home with a lamp and a book and just saying, I'm going to learn everything I need to know in this place in isolation. But instead... He is choosing to step into what I believe God has always invited his people to do. And that is to learn about God, particularly to learn about God in relationship with others. And isn't it is interesting that it is those teachers, I believe, who put that label on him. As he asked questions and as he listened to them, they recognized here is someone with answers and understanding. And it may well be that on that day, not only did Jesus learn from them, but they learned from Jesus. For Israel, there was a great second time of motion. We've been talking about that transition from Deuteronomy to Joshua as they moved from being a nomadic people into being a settled people in the land of Israel. But there's a second great motion that goes on. And it was a, a moment in reality that expanded the idea of life together that we talked about yesterday by adding a renewed way in which they constantly learn together. I'm going to take you on a quick tour. You can be the one who decides whether it's quick enough or not, but I'm going to take you on a quick tour. We're going from opening pages to some of the last pages of the Bible very quickly. It begins in Exodus chapter 24. And here we have Moses who's been on Sinai. This is actually not the first trip up Sinai, but the second, when he gets the second copy. And he comes down, and when he's done, the text says, then he took the book of the covenant. And this would be the idea of all the things that God had said. It might well even include what he's already begun to gather from what we would call the book of Genesis. Because knowing the covenant was also knowing who you were in relationship with. And to know God, you needed to know the creation story, and you needed to know the flood story, and the Abraham story, and all of that that we came from. But he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, again, just the last words that Moses will write, he points them to the idea that he commands them, every seventh year you shall read this law. And again, not that you'll sit at home, and read it privately, that you will read it before all Israel in their hearing. The public reading of Scripture, the idea that we open up 
a scroll at that time, and we read what, at that point, Moses would have recorded about what God, who God was and what God had done with them and what he had called them to do and be. With those kind of instructions and that kind of model, you would think this occurs over and over and over and over again throughout Scripture. That would have been a better way for the story to unfold, but that's not the way the story unfolds. Joshua, the faithful leader, will follow Moses' instructions, and they get into the land, and they come to Mount Ebal and Mark Gerizim, and they put up a rock, and they write all the commands on it. But then it says, and Joshua. By the way, I find it interesting that it is the leader who reads. He doesn't hire somebody. He gets up and does this reading. Joshua then read, Every word of every command that Moses had ever given in the, to the entire assembly of Israel. Note all the inclusive language here. By now, I believe we have to be talking about what Moses would have written in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then also, possibly, even some of what Joshua's story is. They read all that there was there to the entire assembly. And by the way... If you had any question about it, including the women and the children, and even foreigners who were living among them, because the word of God was so important. So again, we would expect this to happen at least every seven years. We would think that this would be the kind of momentous occasion that would happen regularly. But the Bible is silent on the idea of the public reading of the law of God not just during the time of the judges. Samuel is never recorded as having read the law to all the people. David doesn't. Solomon doesn't. The kings until the kingdom is divided, and none of those kings do it until one day. And it's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 23 during the reign of Josiah. It's also paralleled exactly in 2 Chronicles 34. A little boy king, and they're cleaning up the temple, and they find a scroll. What is this? How many of you have ever cleaned up after a loved one has died? Grandparents finally passed on, and we've got to clean up the house. And, and my experience in my family is that you find Bibles everywhere. Imagine being in a time when God's people had lost the word of God. They even have to go find someone who can read it in the language that it's written in. They have lost the word of God so much. But then, having found it, the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem and all the people. Notice the language. From the least to the greatest. And there the king read to them a sentence here and a sentence there. Have you ever noticed Alan does this all the time? We're going to read a, nearly a chapter, but, but there's these little words, they're excerpts, right? They read it all, the entire book of the covenant. But in reality, that's not enough. That revival moment soon passed, and within a generation, they are the same people that Josiah brought to a, re, a renewal of their faith are then exiled. God sends them away to Babylon. He says, my name cannot be known by who you are any longer. I'm going to have to send you away, but I will bring you back. And when he brings them back, some things change dramatically. 
we find in Nehemiah chapter 7, starting right at the end of 7 and going into 8, and this is highly excerpted. When the seventh month came and the people gathered together, they told the scribe Ezra to bring out the book of the law of Moses. By the way, it's quite important to recognize that Josiah, it had been lost, and it is Josiah and that revival time that they find it again. It will never be lost again. The entire city of Jerusalem is completely destroyed, and yet somehow somebody gets the law all the way to Babylon and brings it all the way back with them. It will go with them everywhere they go. And anywhere that God's people would spread from that point forward, there would be a copy of God's law with them. To bring out the book of the law, he read from it. Are you ready for this? And you think you're going to be late to lunch today? He read from morning until midday. By the way, if you read the whole in its context, the people stood for all of the reading. From morning till midday, as the word of God was read. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. What's amazing is, is we have had to go through so many chapters just to find these, these few occurrences where they stand up and read the word publicly. In Nehemiah chapter 8, there appear to be three different times within what might be a week or as much as a month where they will gather and stand together and read what they will call the entire word of the Lord. Amen? And unfortunately, the people have lost it so much that it then, and it's not unfortunate, it's unfortunate that they don't understand, but you need to understand, but you need to know that it is at this point that they start saying they don't just read the words of God. The teachers go out into small groups and they interact so that they understand what it says. Now some of that may well be that they couldn't understand the language that it was written in. But the other part was you need to know who this is about and who's behind it. It is at that moment that things change for Israel forever. They will never be without the reading of Scripture. They will never be without the Word of God being among them. They called them synagogues. And historically, we point to the exile as when they started. But here's the wisdom that they brought home with them. They didn't say, we're coming home, we don't need them anymore. But they kept them in every village, in every town where 10 or more Jewish families would be. And by the way, not just in the Holy Land, not just in Israel, but anywhere they went. If 10 families were together, they established a synagogue. And in the synagogue, what did they do? The New Testament will tell us what they do. In Acts chapter 13, Paul just makes a, a cursory remark in one of his sermons that they missed who Jesus was even though the words of the prophets are read every single Sabbath. They're never going to go a week without hearing the word of God. Jesus will go in the synagogue and on the Sabbath day he stands up to read and they're ready for him and they hand him the scroll of Isaiah and he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That practice of the synagogue reading the word together, that practice that Jesus participates in is a practice that continues to this very day. Amen? And by the way, not just in synagogues, but in the churchagogues, right? That's what we are. We're a churchagogue. 
the church got its first formation basically figuring out adapting what the synagogue did and adding Jesus to it and that has persisted for 2,000 years that when God's people gather God's word is going to be read and you and I have inherited that blessing of learning together you see, it could just be the idea of, oh, no, no, I'm going to show up at church on Sunday and I'm going to let somebody read it to me. But in reality, that's never the goal, is it? The goal is that even the word that I'm proclaiming while you sit there so attentively and so still and so quiet, it's amazing. You do all that and yet the hope is, is that something that I say or more importantly, something that the Spirit speaks to you through my message or beyond my message, comes to you and you want to talk to somebody next to you. You want to say, hey, did he say that? Did God really mean? What do we need to do with that? That we are in conversation and not just conversation about the weather. Or from this Sunday all the way through February, conversations about football. Already run into one of those today. Already participated in one of those today. But see, it needs to be more than that. It needs to be the idea that when the word of God is proclaimed, the word of God some becomes something that we want to discuss and interact with. We want to follow in Jesus' footprints. We want to ask questions. We want to listen. And we want to be heard as we participate in that learning process together. It is essential as families continue to move forward into an incredibly uncertain future that the idea that the word of God will not simply be a book on the shelf nor will the word of God simply be that oh get your get your clothes on we've got to be there at by the way need to be there at 9 30 for Bible class right and that what we all said this morning somebody say yes okay and, then, and we're going to sit and listen. But instead, the word of God, as we move forward, have to become. And yes, your time in Bible class and your time in this worship, your time engaged in all of those kinds of things, and we're going to point to one specifically, I think you're anticipating in just a minute, should create not simply a place where I say, I've done my learning, but they become inspiration for the way we're going to live. When the towers fell, it created conversations about God and about evil. When your family's life moves forward and struggles occur, you're going to have conversations that are going to be informed by the word of God, but they need to be inside your conversations with each other, learning it together. Three quick points. We're going to learn together for life in motion. First of all, we can't learn together if we're not reading on our own. Somebody say amen. It is very difficult to be a person who can add, ask good questions. Remember what Jesus did? He asked good questions. It's very hard to be a person who asks good questions if the only time we pick up the text is when we gather together. We've got to be people who spend time in the Word on our own. But that is simply preparation 
preparation, what I would affirm and what I would say is for the greater need of bringing the word together. And so I have to ask the question is point number two. Where is your reading individually supplemented, and here's a word, submitted to learning together? One of the most dangerous things is for me to pick up the word of God and to walk away in isolation and to decide, here's a new way that I think we need to understand Scripture and to start proclaiming that. What always needs to happen is I read and I hear something new and I immediately want to go to God's people and say, I'm hearing something like this. And history will inform me. And other people's experience will inform me. And the way the Spirit is moving in your life and His wisdom is being revealed in you, you needs to hone what God is producing in me before anything new should ever be proclaimed. Somebody say. But is that what you do? Is that what we together do with the Word of God? Do we participate together? Do we find places? And again, I'm asking you where. Where are you in that conversation? Yes, you need to be reading the word of God on your own. Yes, that needs to be a daily pattern in your life. But the other pattern, it is incomplete without the pattern coming full circle back to the people of God. Back to other faithful Christians. And say, not that by the way, they have all the right answers. It may well be that what you have hones them. But every single time I can count that what I've learned can hone someone else, I have been ten times over been honed by other people. Amen? Where is your experience of that? Finally, and I mentioned it a couple of times already, we are so quick to point out, Oh, Jesus did this loving, kind thing. Jesus did this healing thing. Jesus did this beneficial thing for people. His actions of loving others are astounding. Amen? But I think we also have the powerful witness that Jesus knew God's word and wanted to interact with others about what God was saying. Are we going to be those people who, like Jesus are listening to what God says in community and asking questions so that it can become more a part of who we are deeper and deeper into our lives so that we are prepared to be people and families in the motion of life as it continues to move forward. There is one very specific application to this sermon today. We have these wonderful places called life groups. We have wonderful Bible classes. And by the way, particularly if you have children, there are very few more important things on your schedule for the faith life of your family than having them in the conversation together with other faithful Christians in Bible class. We have them on Sunday morning. And by the way, we have them on Wednesday night. And great things go on all the time for your kids in those places. We have great adult Bible classes that go on. But we also have this thing that is intended more than anything else to move us from a place of the proclamation of the word to the listening and asking and honing each other in the word of God. And those are called life groups. 
We restart them every fall. Today is a day that there are sign-up sheets on a round table in the middle of the foyer that you can look at the group of leaders and say, that's when I'd like to go. The other thing you can look for is when they're meeting. Most of them meet on Sunday night. If you would like to join Sharon and myself and Ron White, lead a group on Thursday nights, you're welcome to do that. If there's a night that you want to have one, you need to talk to Jerry because he will work very hard. Jerry and Mark Davis will work very hard to start one on a time when you feel like this is when I would like to be in a listening, asking, hearing, and learning together scenario. I encourage you. Do you have to be in a life group to be a Christian? The answer is no. Do you need to be in a group of people who are discussing the word of God where you have the opportunity not just to hear it but to ask a question and say, how does this fit into my life? And I would say you'll be less complete of what God wants you to be without those kind of places and those kind of relationships. God invitation, one more time, continues to be, do you love me? And I think there's a powerful way in which loving God transitions into, I want to know what he says, and I want the conversation of my life to be about knowing more about this God that I love. Amen? He says, love me. I am your God. He invites us to that. He says, will you? He says, won't you? I believe he says, please, won't you come to know me and love me? If there's any way that you would like to respond to that in a public way, you're welcome to come during the song we're going to stand and sing. If you're online with us, the text number there, can you can send a text and any message. We will pick that up and be able to start that conversation. But really, I hope that before you leave today, you have a conversation with somebody, maybe somebody in your family, maybe somebody that's just a friend that you've run into here today, and you say something like, where is the interaction, the learning together going on in my life? Who are you going to talk to about that? How are you going to make sure that that's part of who you are and what God is doing in your life? But now, won't you come as we stand and sing?
I want to welcome everybody here again, and thank you for being here, and for those on video also, thank you for being there. I want to also uh, thank you for your continued fi financial support, um, and um, encourage everyone to read the Caring and Sharing, because I'm not going to go through it all, and, and uh, that's available e either hard copy here or, or off the website. And also remember that uh, Alan puts out the LJCC updates during the week, and that's a valuable information to get updates there. One of the things uh, we need to remember today is the last day that we can tur for turning in nominations for deacons. And so at 2 o'clock, we're going to take those out of the box there. So if, if you haven't done nominated a deacon yet, done your nominations for deacons, uh, this is... You need to do it before you leave the church building today to get that in there, turn that in there. And we also need to remember that uh, we have sign up for small groups. There's a table in the foyer there for you that you can sign up on. And uh, there's also, you can also sign up uh, on the website. Uh, that's pretty easy to do. And, and uh, Lisa did it as we were driving to church this morning. So uh, we're signed up. So remember that. Um, I want to thank Alan for his lesson and today about learning together and the importance of scripture in doing that. Um, I'd like to read uh, a, a, a verse here that talks about that, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. And before I read it, just explain real, really quick that uh, Paul had said beforehand that uh, about Timothy, that he had gotten his faith from his mother and grandmother and that probably meant that he had been taught scripture by those two and, and, and his family. And so if we read 2 Timothy, uh, but, you must remember, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who have taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have been given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do, teaches us what to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so the importance of, of looking at scripture and reading it and with others, it's, it's very important to do that. And especially... If you have children you're raising, it's important to get them to, to, to do that. Um, I'd like to go over the prayer list here just a little bit. There's a couple additions to the prayer list that's in our caring and sharing. Uh, Billy Yates is in the hospital now. He, um, uh, for, with COVID and dehydration is what I understand. And also uh, Regina Davis has found out that she had COVID on Friday, I believe. So we need to remember those along with the others that are mentioned. I'll just uh, go through those quickly here. Vicki John, Lindley Glover's mom, uh, we need to remember her. Wanda Long is back home now, and Cindy Yates is back home. Uh, Mary Cronk is still in the hospital. And we need to remember Sihan Warnicky, who is Elizabeth's husband. He's been admitted to St. Luke's with renal failure, and so we need to remember him in our prayers, and remember um, our Jeffrey Fuller, who is Janice Robertson's mother, has moved to rehab. We need to remember those. 
Also remember um, the uh, Sean Stewart and uh, his brother recently passed away, and so we need to remember that. Uh, Scott passed away on September 9th, and so that is something that we need to keep them in our prayers. Um, at this time, so let us go to God in prayer. Father, we come before you in awe and recognize you as the provider of all things and the creator of all things. We thank you for the love that you have demonstrated to us. We would like to lift up the names of those that are on the prayer list, and we ask that you apply your healing hand and your comforting hand to them. We ask that you be with our leaders on all levels as they make decisions about different crises that are going on in society, the COVID and Afghanistan and and the, the nat nat natural disasters. Father, we ask that you help us to love you with all our hearts, mind, soul, and all of our strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, please bless our efforts to teach our children and ourselves uh, and learn from you and help us fulfill this important responsibility. Father, we ask that you bless us and keep us. Cause your face to shine on us and be gracious to us. Lift up your face to us and give us peace. We thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Let's all be standing. How do you explain? Thank you. 